Hi, I'm Christine Roney. Welcome to the Roney Writes Podcast. The tagline for this podcast is, let me tell you a story, because that's what these recordings are about, stories. I love to write them, and I would love to share them with you. This is Episode 5 of Saving Maddie. We are starting today with Chapter 15. So let me tell you a story. Saving Maddie by Christine Roney Daniel sat at the table in the attorney meeting room, lost in thought. His briefcase laid on the table next to him. The door opened and Maddie walked in. Daniel stood up, a hint of fatigue in his posture. Maddie put her back to the door and her hands in the slot. The correctional officer took off her handcuffs. She vigorously rubbed her wrists as she walked toward the table. Daniel opened his briefcase, took out a sheath of papers, closed the case, and sat down. How are you? Maddie said nothing as she sat down opposite him. Is there anything I can get you? Anything you need? Maddie leaned forward. Just so we're clear, you and I are not friends. I only signed on with you because you're my best shot. Daniel leaned forward. Maddie, listen, we don't have much time left, so it would be good if you could lose the attitude. They locked eyes. Maddie was the first to break contact. Her manner became flat and her voice took on a carefully controlled tone. I'd like some books. Okay, write down what kind and I'll get them to you. Why are you here? Daniel sat up straight and started thumbing through the papers in front of him. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. Your appellate attorney was good. He raised the right claims, made the right arguments. Maddie sat back. Her expression inscrutable, but he saw a flicker of fear in her eyes. So? So we don't have much left. In order to file a new petition, we have to base it on something that hasn't been raised before. What are you saying? That there's nothing you can do? We have two avenues available to us at this point. One is an application for clemency to the governor. The other is to present evidence that Tom was killed by someone other than you, or that he's alive. My team is out. Maddie gasped. Cutting Daniel off, she blurted. Tom isn't alive? Daniel looked at her sharply, his body tensing. What do you mean? I mean he's dead. How do you know that? I just know. Maddie? No, I didn't kill him. Do you know who did? No. Then how do you know he's dead? If Tom was alive, he would never let this happen to me. Daniel visibly relaxed. Tom was really angry when he found out about the affair. He even went so far as to make an appointment with a divorce attorney but we made up. She stood up and started to pace. Tom and I talked for the first time in years, and we were good. He loved me. He would never let me rot in here if he was alive. What about the neighbors who heard you and Tom arguing? Were they lying? They were wrong about when that took place. It was a couple of days before he disappeared, not the day before. Why didn't this come out at your trial? She stopped pacing. 
and face Daniel. Because James wouldn't let me testify, he never thought that I would be convicted on the evidence they had, and there was nothing to substantiate my story. Daniel stood up, walked over to the window, and looked out. Mandy was right. You could see the highway. He turned around. Did Tom have a gambling problem? Not that I know of. How well did you know your husband? Maddie leveled a withering gaze at him. Chapter 16 Daniel sat at his desk, a pile of open books in front of him. He put down his pencil, set his elbows on the desk, and rubbed his eyes with the heels of his hands. I brought you some fresh coffee. Daniel glanced up to see Kate walk toward him. I thought you went home. I wanted to finish typing up the clemency application. Do we have any connections that can help us with that? Kate handed him the coffee and took a seat. This whole thing has become a political hot potato. The Attorney General has a lot of friends in high places. Is there any good news that can help me sleep tonight? Maddie called to thank you for the books. Kate reached over and covered his hand with hers. Their eyes met. After a few moments, she got up and walked out of his office. Daniel watched her leave, then turned his attention to the book in front of him. Chapter 17 Dune stood beside a cameraman on the set of a daytime soap opera. She watched as an actor slapped an actor while standing next to a casket. The actor stepped back, stunned. They stared at each other. Music swelled. The director got up from his chair. Cut! The actors relaxed. Dune walked toward the actor, a good-looking man in his mid-thirties. Steve? The actor turned toward her. Nope. Sergio. I'm looking for Steve Ellis. You've got the wrong guy. Dune's eyes slid over his face. Sorry, my mistake. She left the set as the actor set up for the next scene. Sergio walked out of the back door of Stage 5 with several other cast members. He saw Dune leaning against her car. I'll meet you at the car, he said as he walked toward Dune. Who are you? Dune Nolan. I'm a private investigator. Why are you here? Maddie Bright. Sergio stiffened. I read that she's going to be executed soon. When was the last time you saw her? At the trial. You never visited her? I tried. She refused. How long did the affair last? Sergio leaned back against the car next to Dune. Not long. Couple of months. She called me a few days before Tom disappeared and said they were getting back together. Dune slipped into a more aggressive mode. How did you feel about that? Sergio pushed off the car and turned angrily toward her. Are you accusing me of something? Like what? Look, the police tried over and over again to get me to admit that I helped Maddie dispose of Tom's body. Did you? What the? I thought you were trying to help her. I am. One of the cast members yelled, Serge, are you coming? Sergio yelled back, Go on without me. I'll catch up. 
He turned back to Dune. There's no way Maddie killed Tom. How do you know that? She didn't have it in her. And Tom was a big guy. How could she have disposed of his body? What was the prosecution's theory? I told you that I helped her. Did they arrest you? He shook his head no. Not for lack of trying, but they didn't have anything. What do you think happened? I honestly don't know. He gestured to her car. Can you give me a ride? We have a late shoot and we're grabbing a pizza down the road. Dune nodded and they got in the car. As she drove Sergio to the pizza place, Dune asked, Do you think Tom is still alive? I don't know, but you'd think he would have come forward during your trial if he was. About a mile down the road, he pointed to a building on the left. There it is. You can just drop me here. Dune stopped the car. I'll call if I have any more questions. Sergio started to get out. Dune put a hand on his arm, stopping him. Why Sergio? He started to say something, but then stopped. He shrugged. Women love it. He got out, closed the door, and leaned down into the open window. Tell Maddie I miss her. He walked away. Chapter 18 Sam sat in front of his computer. His eyes were focused on the screen as he mindlessly shoveled potato chips into his mouth. He stopped, mid-chip, and peered at data streaming across his screen. Sam walked around Daniel's office taking in the certificates and photographs on the wall. He turned to face Daniel, who was standing behind his desk on the phone. Daniel held up a finger in answer to Sam's impatient look. Good work, Dune. Daniel hung up. Sam, I gotta go. Can this wait? No. Then walk with me. Daniel picked up a file off his desk, grabbed his briefcase, and strode out of his office. He looked back at Sam, following him. What's up? I've been checking out Labyrinth, the company Tom worked for when he disappeared. By checking out, you mean... Don't ask. Daniel sighed. He stopped at Kate's desk and put the file he was carrying on her chair, then continued to walk out of the office, Sam following. I found something weird in their financial records, so I looked a little deeper and found some memos about a delayed internal audit. Daniel started down the stairs. And this is important because? Sam stopped at the top of the stairs. The audit was originally scheduled to take place the day after Tom disappeared. Daniel stopped and turned to Sam. Was it delayed because of his disappearance? That's the thing. The parent company postponed it before anyone realized Tom was gone. Sam loped down the stairs and met Daniel at the bottom. They walked together out onto the street and toward Daniel's car. The parent company, Minotaur, started having problems with one of their unions and ended up diverting their resources to deal with that. Did the audit ever happen? Yeah. Well, not really. That audit never took place. But the company did do an internal audit several years later. And? Nothing. Nada. I mean, no mention of the report anywhere. Daniel considered this. Good work, Sam. I need to think about this. Meet me at the office at 6 tomorrow morning. Daniel got in his car. You're kidding, right? Six? 
The dining room of the country club was elegantly decorated. Tables were spaced far apart to afford privacy to the members. Daniel sat at a table with Judge Leo Kelly. They just finished eating. Judge Kelly leaned back and took a deep breath. This was a great idea, he said as a server walked up and placed a brandy glass and cup of coffee in front of him. What's it like getting back into private practice? Why? Daniel asked. Are you thinking of following suit? Not likely. Whoever thought I'd be defending a woman on death row? The consensus at the courthouse is that you've lost it. The case or my mind? Judge Kelly signaled for the check. Are you planning on becoming a defense counsel? I mean, when this case is over? I'm retired, remember? I'm serious. Is this a one-time shot? Absolutely. Glad to hear it. The server brought the check on a silver dish and set it in front of Judge Kelly. Daniel reached over and took the check. He was in the process of signing it when a voice came from behind him. Well, if it isn't Madeline's knight in shining armor. Daniel turned to see the attorney general walking toward him. Daniel and Judge Kelly stood up. Don't let him get to you, Daniel. Ben was now just a few feet away. He staggered a little. How's that fight coming along? I haven't felt any punches yet. People at the surrounding tables turned toward the ruckus. I think you've had one too many, Daniel said as he turned to Judge Kelly. Let's go. Daniel and Judge Kelly walked away from Ben, who called after them. Why are you wasting your time? She's a murderer. Dune sat in Daniel's office watching him read through her memo. She turned when she heard a knock on the open door to the office. Sam walked in looking like he had just got out of bed. His hair was uncombed, his shirt untucked. He plopped down in the chair next to her. You're late, Daniel said without looking up. Sam looked at his watch. It's only ten after six. Daniel stood up. Dune and I are going to Minotaur's headquarters to talk to him about that audit. I want you to find out everything you can about it and its subsidiary labyrinth. Dune stood up. Who names their company after a monster? Sam turned to her. Hey, Minotaurs are cool. Half man, half bull. Daniel cut in. Let's focus, okay? Sam started toward the door. Aye, aye, Captain. As Daniel walked through the reception area, he placed a handful of jelly bellies on Kate's desk. Dune came out of her office at that moment. Her eyebrows shot up, but she didn't say a word. That is the end of Episode 5. Come back next week for Episode 6. For those of you who have just started listening to this podcast, I'd like to tell you a little about myself. I'm a screenwriter, sculptor, and the author of two published novels, Fading Grace and Beyond Stone. In Fading Grace, Grace begins to feel invisible. And one morning, she looks in the mirror and watches in horror as her reflection fades. She doesn't just feel invisible anymore. She has become invisible. As she searches for answers as to why this happened and how she can be seen again, what she discovers will impact the way we see ourselves and others. In Beyond Stone, Andy is a stone sculptor by day and a street artist by night. Reeling from grief and guilt, she starts to go down the rabbit hole. 
Andy walks the line between reality and fantasy, never sure which side she's on. If you'd like to learn more about me and my books, please go to my website, ronywrites.com. Goodbye for now, until the story goes on.